Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 1420 The Watch Clicker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I, I realize sometimes, well, I realize all the time, uh, but sometimes it becomes more apparent to me than others that I don't have any experience in audio engineering. So, like, I, I, I know how to slowly turn the turn the pot on our intro music down but i don't know like is, is there are, are are there like a set of guidelines for how long that trail off should be um i just sort of do it in a way that feels right you just kind of feel it that's you know, that's art right there that's artistry i listen to some other <clears throat> some other podcasts and their their tail off on their intro music is is pretty abrupt you know, even if they transition down, it's like a one or even like a half second transition. Or, or and I pull ours well into your intro. Sometimes even beyond that, we just want to let people ease into the fact that they're <laughs> about to spend an hour with us. Like it's here, it comes, it's coming. Prepare yourself, it's coming, and now you're alone with them. I'm sure there's some sort of guidelines that I could find, and they're probably like just on the internet. That's but I wouldn't impossible. even know where to look. I would start with Google. Yeah. How long should intro music be? <laughs> and here we are. We're, we're doing our own producing of the show on air to you good folks. Yeah, live. We do. We produce the show live. Let's see. What, what, what are we going to see? How long should intro music be? Oh, you're, you're going to Google it as we speak. Yeah. Well, well, how are you, Andrew? I'm well. I've been so. This has been a crazy work week for me. I am literally in between trials, in between one day trials, one today, one tomorrow. One day trials nice though. One day trials nice. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it, it's usually less preparation because there's there's less time to present things that you've prepared. Uh, but there's still like, I, I don't know that I've ever recorded in between trials before. And I, st- I don't know that you have either. Yeah, we still probably are not going to do tomorrow's trial because I think we've settled. That's a good feeling. Y- y- well, it- it's the type of I think we've settled that does not allow me to not do the work. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> I still have to do the work of preparation, which is bad for my client. It's bad for everybody, but it's good for you. It is good for uh, the paycheck. Correct. Yeah correct the billable hour is is pretty good right now and this is your lunch hour so you can still bill it (laughs) (laughs) uh so according to neo sounds articles i don't know anything about this website it says uh they say 15 seconds anything longer is a little too much podcast intro do's and don'ts says 30 seconds 30 seconds maximum as a rule i don't think any of these people are sound engineers i think they're just people who wrote an article and have affiliate links. You know, I don't think the issue is when you come in. I think we've picked a really sort of natural place for you to start talking. I think the question is how long after you start talking should that tail? I mean, theoretically, we could just run it out like the full two minutes at some quiet level of. Oh, that would be annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's a real answer and I don't think it matters. Well, maybe there is an answer, but, uh, I think it's fine. I just wonder about these things sometimes. We are going to talk about watches today, Andrew. We are. We are going to talk about watches. We're going to talk about 
all sorts of different watches. Yeah. This is going to be a fun one, I think. We're, we're doing... Potpourri is what we call this? A potpourri? Yeah. Potpourri? Yeah. It's like uh, fondue, but just smells good instead of tastes good. Or, or a roundup? Or what's happened in watches? A hoedown? A hoedown. Yeah. <laughs> the, the watches hoedown. Um, <laughs> which is to say we're going to talk about watches, articles, other things that we've read about or heard about. In the last couple of weeks. And some things that have piqued our interest. And we're going to talk about them because you idiots listen to us talk every week, 170 weeks <clears throat> running at this point. So Someone asked me what we do uh, today. My client was like, so so. What, you, you said something about your recording tonight. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've got uh, I've got a. I've got a podcast. You know, I'm almost embarrassed to say the word. Because everyone has one. And this guy's like salt of the earth. He's a retired fireman, um, <coughs> contractor for 20 years, and then became a fireman and was like retired at some like senior level. And he's now, you know, building a house out in the country. I mean, he he's the nicest guy. Doesn't curse as he as he puts it. Um, you know, just the nicest guy. Salt of the earth is what I said earlier. I stand by it. Uh, and so like, I'm sort of embarrassed, right? Cause he's like, Oh, these Gen Xers and they're, <laughs> uh, but then he's, then he's asking me, well, what's your podcast about? And I'm like, Oh gosh, here we go. Uh, y- you know, <laughs> well, it's about watches. Uh, and he's like, well, what, it, is there enough to, you could talk about watches for an hour? Well, y- yes. Not only. Could we talk about watches for an hour, but we're never able to talk about watches for less than an hour, which is always the goal. And we've done it 170 times. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, we've got to have probably 300 hours of content available. Yeah, I think it's maybe not quite there, but yeah, we did the math on it. It's something like 200 and 250 hours right now of content, of just podcast. 200 hours. So you broke this guy's brain telling him, yeah, we've, there's a lot of, a lot of talk out there. I don't think I broke his brain, but I think he just like started to strongly second guess whether I was the guy for him at that trial. Yeah. Did you win? Uh, we have not yet, but we're gonna, yes. We're, Damn. we're under consideration and the other side is going to present a settlement agreement in the morning and it'll be fine. Yeah. Under consideration means the judge wanted the other side to go strongly think about whether or not they want to get to the judgment. So, yes, we, we won. <laughs> I'm not going to give you the answer to the test here, but the answer you're giving me is wrong. In fact, the judge's, uh, the, the final statement from the judge was, I'm going to take this under consideration. There's some things I want to consider. With that said... I'd like the counsel to go talk to your clients and I think there's an opportunity to settle this so I don't have to make a decision. I'd like your notice on whether or not you've reached a settlement in the morning. So, yeah. Good feeling? Yeah, no, that is, it's like the best feeling. So, so can I talk about something that, that I'm excited about that yeah. got me really excited? Please talk. I didn't send you the link because I wanted it to be a surprise. Ooh, where is it? <laughs> you should have sent the link. Uh, Timex has a 
Space Invaders coming mm. out. And I'm now I'll send you the link. It is I think it's perfectly in keeping with everything that that Timex is doing where they're mixing some fun stuff. They're doing some really no bullshit stuff. They've got some cool collaborations and this just nails it. This could be the first gold watch that I buy. Is the Timex Space Invaders the, watch? The Timex Digital Space Invaders in gold. 34 millimeters. It's got the the um the interesting kind of Timex. It's got the, their mesh-ish bracelet. Yeah. And something that I like about Timex is they've got, um, as opposed to a, a traditional clasp, they've got a like a sliding. There's a there's a name for it that's eluding me right now. Um, it's just a slide fit clasp, so you can get those bracelets perfectly fit to your wrist. There's no slide up and down. There's no worrying about micro adjustments because it's all a micro adjust sliding clasp right the bracelet's gonna be so so but this is just fun it's got the black background the red space invaders going all over your dial 90 bucks a little more than i would want but it's space invaders and it's coming soon they don't have uh, at least on their website they don't have a, a, a an announced availability date but it's fun i'm it, excited for it. it yeah no i i really like i really like this watch so this is sort of I think they call this their T80 case, which is their F91. Yeah, I think or it's F84. A, like it's a little bigger, but yeah, I think there's the the metal A158, mm-hmm. and then this T80. I think, which I think is kind of a new name for it. I think it was just like the Indiglo or something yeah. back in the day. But uh, yeah, these are cool. This is cool. This is cool. I do wish that you could like play space invaders on it but imagine playing space invaders in it (laughs) just tiny little space invaders that seems in the realm of possible i mean there's there's been wrist-worn video games yeah yeah i mean i you could just pretend you were playing space invaders on it yeah which would probably be almost as fun as actually playing space invaders on it just make the make the sound effects with your voice yeah, ninety bucks is steep. I wonder if these will be. I wonder if these will be less, less money than that IRL. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like the Timex prices hold pretty well. I mean, if you look at the Q Timex, it was what three years ago released. Two and a half, two. I don't know. Not that recent. They're still one hundred eighty bucks on the website. They were five hundred bucks on eBay for a short time. So we're gonna call it a win that it's now back to retail price. I think you can get those Q Timexes a little bit for a little bit less money too. So yeah, but not necessarily from Timex. Right, 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 right. No, this is cool. When did you see this? I haven't seen this. Uh, I saw it uh, either yesterday or today. I was just scrolling. I was like, "Ooh, what a good time to be talking about Roundup stuff." Right. Because I'm excited about this. This is a this is a Roundup watch. Yeah. And so actually, most of the things we're going to talk about today are kind of new watch releases. We've got a bracelet in here. Um, and you've got an article as well, which I, which I like, but maybe we'll save that. Maybe we'll save that one for last because I want to talk the, the, the reason you're here, probably not actually just to hear you talk. That's Uh, but the, the one you guys are all going to be excited about. And you've probably already read and thought about and considered is 
the new. So Timex is reintroducing. Well, I guess it did that kind of last year, but it's um, the new King Seiko. Mm-hmm. The new King <clears throat> Seiko uh, that was announced this week. Um, we'll link to probably a Fratello or maybe a Warner One on this, if not both. Um, but Seiko's uh, Seiko just announced this week a dope. 57 years ago reissue um, from the other Seiko factory. So Grand Seiko, King Seiko, we've talked about this, mm-hmm. but back in the day, competing, competing factory brands. Um, they're reintroducing a, 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 a reissue or perhaps an inspired by a version of a 1965, I think the... This King Seiko KSK model. Um, Kisk. Kisk. This is like a legit 38 millimeter sport watch. Mm-hmm. And the dimensions on this thing are are killer. 38 millimeters, 42 and a half millimeter lug to lug. Uh, 19 millimeter lugs on this thing, which is a little bit of a... Grand Seiko we feel, uh, which is kind of something that bummed me out, and I'm hoping we don't. I just I don't want to see that. I want to see the Seiko uniformity, that platform pervading prevailing right now, and not kind of the the Grand Seiko oddities. But the dimensions look good. I imagine this would still look good with twenty mil twenty millimeter lugs, and it looks good. You know, my initial reaction was to poo-poo the 19-millimeter lugs. I don't know that I don't still feel that way. It's a lot of negatives. Uh, But at the end of the day, the design, I think the lugs look right. I I think the the dimension there is is good, And, and which is not to say it wouldn't be good at 20. I'm sure it would accommodate 20 just fine. But it looks right. The This is, I don't know if this is actually grammar of design compliant, but it looks to me like a grammar of design style case. Mm -hmm. And those, the lugs themselves, I think need a little bit of width to carry that off. So I don't know if you take a half a millimeter off of each side, if they still have the same feel. So obviously someone designed this, someone made a decision. I assume someone made a decision uh, and it looks good. It's one of the AI and designed watches. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it, but maybe. It's not. So 42 and a half millimeters on the lug to lug, which is an incredible dimension. Uh, one thing to note, the end link on this does appear to be what we call male end link. So it is going to project out from that a little bit. I can't tell. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe a, an extra two or three yeah. millimeters. Um, but those, but those end links are also coming down. They're they're sticking downwards. So uh, anyway, your mileage may may vary on that. Either way, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a tremendous dimensional deviation. And the finishing on this thing looks totally, totally great. Yeah, the bracelet looks great. It's what, what do we call that? It's sort of like a... It's kind of like a flat beads of rice. Flat beads of rice, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a, I think that's a good appropriate. Yeah. Super angular. Tons of character. Dial is great. Hands are great. No loom on this. Something to note. Well, that's a bit of a bummer. 
No loom on this. <clears throat> at, at least I don't think there's any loom. It doesn't look like it. 1500 bucks, 6R31, which is the new 6R, mm-hmm. which is the new 6R, uh, which is, means 70 hours power reserve, etc. I said 1500 bucks. I think it might be more than that. I think they're... Uh, I think it's closer to 17. I think it like maybe not on the button. Yeah. 1700 euros on this Fratello article that I'm looking at. Five Warning rounds to 1700 American money. What do we got? Four or five dial colors? There's a. I think a, I saw five. Two silvers. Mm-hmm. So like a sunburst and a brushed silver. Brown, black, a pretty dark, like maybe ox blood. Um, great dial colors. Although uh, earthy, mm-hmm. earthy dials, great medallion on the back. It's a six R, so it's kind of chunky, um, but that's true to Seiko. I, I read some scuttlebutt about people being disappointed that this was a six R movement. Six R, I think that's the right movement for this watch. As opposed to what? Well, Seiko's got a, a couple of a movements that would be an upgrade from this, like six S. Yeah, I think it it is a little thinner, maybe a little bit better, objectively speaking. But I, I don't know. It's it, you know. But then you're not looking at a seventeen hundred dollar watch. So you're you're driving it up price line. You're probably you're probably yeah. two thousand twenty one hundred. Yeah. So this is cool. I think this is exciting. I think it's exciting that Seiko's exploring something uh, uh, different at this point. You, you know, a few years back, it kind of seemed like Seiko was delineating. Mm-hmm. We've got Presage, we've got Prospects, we've got Grand Seiko, which is its own brand. But and, related. But related. Yeah. And then the five sports. <clears throat> this, I think this probably exists somewhere um, parallel to Presage. This based on what they've done with this King Seiko series so far. I think they're going to do that as a as an intermediary between Presage and Grand Seiko. I think they're going to try to, I hope they try to make King Seiko its own thing, similar to the way Grand Seiko is, and just a little bit up market of Presage, a little bit more dress-inspired, a little bit more refined. Maybe a vintage, maybe yeah. a vintage parallel to Presage. Yeah. Because Grand Seiko has all that feel, but none of it's vintage, and I think they can they can really play a, an interesting direction with with this now. Yeah, because they can go they can go anywhere from obviously anywhere from fifteen hundred to you know maybe even a lot more, um, depending on what they want to do with it. So this is uh, this is cool, man. I'm into it. I don't have anything bad to say about it. You think this is going to be the baseline, like the foot in the door, bottom of the King Seiko catalog, or you think they'll maybe go down a little bit? I don't think they can go down any for <clears throat> for the King Seiko brand. I don't think it makes any sense at all to go down from there. Yeah, yeah, That's something. I, I mean, maybe ditch the bracelet, but yeah, no. I think if you're going to have a King Seiko brand, it doesn't make sense to have it be eight hundred, nine hundred dollar watches. Yeah. No, I mean, not with the Prospects line. and yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Okie dokie, <laughs> then. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, Tag Hoyer did something cool. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we don't talk about a lot of Tag Hoyer on we, this show, but we're going to talk about two Tag Hoyer watches. We are, and, and I, I think, and, and maybe we'll get some hate for this, I don't think Tag Hoyer gets the recognition that... It deserves because it's quartz. 
it's a little bit of a broy brand, but I think really the 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 cornerstone of the watch community not being a fan of Tag Heuer's quartz. I think Tag Heuer is just sort of a, a modern a, a walking or a, a wearable identity crisis. I mean, the people who wear Tag Heuer. Tom Brady wears Tag Heuer. The, <laughs> the people who wear Tag Heuer, the people who design Tag Heuer. Yeah, it's... Uh, the people who sell Tag Heuer. I mean, there's a lot of problems with Tag Heuer as a brand. But it's one, you know, just last week I talked about the two watches that got me interested in the hobby. One of those being an Aquaterra, the other being a Tag Heuer 2000. It's a great, I mean, talk about legacy. Yeah, legacy for days. And, and you know, there's a distinction to be made between Heuer and Hoyer of vintage racing fame mm -hmm. and then Tag Hoyer, the recovery brand, the post quartz crisis. The post quartz crisis Tag Hoyer recovery brand. Um, some, some, some unpacking of that is maybe due for another episode, but. I think Tag's doing cool stuff right now. They are. So what, 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 what are you going to talk Notable. about? Notable. We're going to talk about two new Octavias. A sunny, uh, uh, Sunray Silver Dial and a DLC Black. And these are good. I mean, the Octavias, in, in my mind, one of the chronographs. Mm -hmm. Right when mm -hmm. when I think of a chronograph, I, I I'm immediately going to, um, like top of mind. I come up with a Monaco. I come up with a Speedmaster, and I come up with an Octavia, and I think that's kind of where it stops for me. Like those are my first three. If you say name three, <laughs> I. And then, and then you're under the gun. You're like, oh, what do I pick? What do I pick? What do I pick? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then you forget anything else exists. There's a lot of great chronographs out there. But this is exciting. It's just a, a, a refresh, if you will, coming into the new year with... Is this a full reissue? I think yeah. it's a full reissue. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know that it's a reissue. I, so I think... Uh, Hoyer did a thing with Octavia in 2019 where they kind of went mm -hmm. full retro with it. But I don't know that at this point they're doing um, reissues. I think that well, that's this why is... I ask if this can, can this be a reissue, like a, a kind of course correction of of what happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think this is a continuation of their retro language that they've introduced. But what it does mean is Octavia is a chronograph again. Mm-hmm. Octavia is a chronograph, and not only is it a chronograph, it's a legacy chronograph, I think, which is something that I'm not sure people have been begging for, but something that just seems so obvious um, that it's been almost silly that they ha that that Tag Heuer's kind of neglected this really obvious part of what should have been their lineup. This is a this is a totally modern automatic chronometer chronometer grade flyback chronograph <clears throat> which should have been something that anybody could buy at any tag Heuer boutique 
ever. And really, you haven't been able to do that. Mm -hmm. This is a flagship. This is a flagship piece. Uh, and it looks great. It's a big, it's a big watch. It's it's robust. Uh 45. I think wide. it's I think it's 42. It's a 42 millimeter case, but it's a oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's a big ass. Um the movement's 13 millimeters. So I think it comes in at 16 total. Yeah. That's a that's a a chunk. But it's also a big ass racing chronograph. So it should be. Yeah, I don't think the <clears throat> I don't think the movement. It's a Caliber O2. It's a Salida SW300, basically. Um, Joe, I don't think the movement itself is 13 millimeters. I think the watch is 13, right? Uh, no. It says thickness over 13 millimeter. <laughs> so that means it's probably a 16 millimeter watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it's a big watch. It's a big watch. Sc screw down. I mean. This is like a this is like a big old uh, GFY watch is what this is. Mm -hmm. Oh, so fifteen point six eight thick total. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's cool. How much are these? So these are under under ten grand. I think. I think. Yes. Uh, Panda the, for sixty three hundred on a bracelet sixty nine fifty for the DLC. Mm-hmm. Which is a the shitload of money. GMT is forty two hundred though, and the GMT looks really good. Yeah, yeah. The DLC, the the GMT has like a a like more deliberate retro vibe. Yes. Yeah, because the chronograph's got sort of retro vibes, but also super modern. They did a good job combining the two, like the, the respecting the heritage of the watch and implementing that in the design language without just doing it again. And you know what I like about these? <clears throat> so this feels like a classic Hoyer. Mm -hmm. This feels like a classic Hoyer. It feels, it feels not retro so much as just classic looking, really clear tag hoyer language what i like about it is that it's a tag hoyer logo one of the things they've done with their retro design language recently is they've done these hoyer only logos mm -hmm. and i like that i think a lot of people like that but it also seems like it's a one-off to me yep and <clears throat> and i would rather i would rather not have a one-off watch i like that this is just a this is a Tag Heuer watch, and this is the watch that we make now. Yep. I, I think this is great. You don't keep working on rebuilding a brand by um, mislabeling it. Can we talk about the next one? Because I'm more excited about this one. I figured you would be. <laughs> I'm more excited about this one. Tag Heuer last year did a 300-meter... 43 millimeter aqua racer re-release which is a very beautiful watch mm -hmm. but announced if not today in the last couple of days they are also going to release a 200 meter automatic aqua racer and this thing so when i said this last week and i've said it 
four minutes ago, and I'm going to say it again now, the Tagwire 2000 was my gateway drug. And this feels like a Tagwire 2000. Mm-hmm. It's a 200-meter aqua racer, 40 meters, amazing sort of textured, angular, decagon or I don't know, whatever. A, uh, how, I don't know how many sides there are, like 15? Yeah. I don't know, much. <laughs> Maybe an octagon. A- angles. <clears throat> yeah. It's got angles. One, two, three. Yeah, whatever. It's fantastic. This this watch is amazing. We do have a horizontal striped dial, which, okay. Can't fix that. Okay. <laughs> it is what it is. This thing is straight out of 1995, but totally modern, and I am fucking here for it. I am here for this watch. I Yes. I have not... And it's a $2,500 watch. It's an automatic Tag Heuer, $2,500, 40-meter, 40-millimeter, 200-meter dive watch. And I am fucking here for it. Quartz for 1850, though. I... I dig this 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 holds ground for me like against a seamaster i like it better yeah. than seamaster it it is also super tag hoyery it is this is what yeah. i think about when i think about a tag hoyer this is this is the this is it man i i think that this is the best entry-level swiss diver on the market right now i haven't touched it obviously <coughs> But if someone comes to me and says, I want an entry-level Swiss diver, I say, you should look at this. This is this is it for me. I love this watch. It's good. The bracelet polish and, polish and, and brush alternating. Great, great bezel shape. I, I mean, this is, this is just a cool watch. This is a go-anywhere dive watch. I love this watch. This may be my favorite watch release that I've seen in two years, at least from a Swiss company. I haven't seen anything anything come out of Switzerland in the last two years that excited me as much as this. Wow. I, I, <laughs> talking Swiss big brands, like the... The, the Swiss big brands, yeah. yes, okay. you're, you're right. <clears throat> you're exactly right. I was like, I think you're maybe wrong about that. We, yeah, <clears throat> no, no. I, I mean, it, some some of that is really unique to me. And maybe us, but just yeah. who I am. I mean, it's not just the aesthetics. It's also, you know, we play in this in this affordables territory. And so it's very rare that we see something from a Swiss big brand that plays that plays in that area. And doesn't just play, but like is the big kid on the playground throwing elbows and, and laying waste to the world around it. I mean, this is this is what Tag Heuer is to me. I love this watch, and it, I'm just going to keep saying that un, unless and until we move on. I don't think we need to move on. I think we can just hang it on right here. <laughs> I'd like to keep hearing about your love for this watch. You know, I think I think I need to get hands on this. I don't know if we have the ability to get hands on a Tag Heuer. I I know some guys who do know. But I want to do a review of this. I am, I'm smitten, Andrew. 
I'm smitten. I think it's in the realm of possible. Also, it's Tag Heuer, so it's going to be available at most jewelry stores. You could probably go to Fred Meyer next week and put your hands on this. 11 millimeters, by the way. That's the guinea. Dude. Okay, next we got to talk about a stupid watch. Yep. It's not a stupid, a stupid watch. watch you want to talk about? It, this is not a stupid watch. This is a very, very cool watch. But some of you will know, some of you will know that this week, this last weekend, mm-hmm. Oris hosted its, I think their annual, I don't know if they've done this through COVID, but they hosted some folks in Vail for a ski trip where they unveil watches. Oris is kind of famous for doing this or unveiling in veil that's what i'm talking about <laughs> just when you said that that's when that happened to me or oris is kind of famous especially in the affordables world for i, I like the term fluffing for fluffing <laughs> the media um I, there's nothing wrong with that look uh i'm never going to i'm never going to talk bad about that process because i would be elated to get an invite to participate in that process. So I'm not going to talk shit about it because if I ever get the invite, I'm going to go and I don't want to look like an asshole for saying, oh, and then going on this thing. Uh, but <laughs> I will say what you get out of it is a lot of folks posting the same watch over and over again. And so there's two watches. One of them, one of them were almost certainly not going to talk about because it costs more money than I'll ever spend on a watch. Two watches that were really big this week. We're not going to talk about one of them. We will talk about this one. This is a bronze Oris big crown pointer date, Mm -hmm. which I think is maybe an underrated watch in the watch world. The big crown pointer date, generally speaking, I think it's underrated. They're huge. They're all dial, but they're gorgeous. Really neat dial. Um, classic styling, good fonts, uh, great bracelets, great case design, great bezel. Um, but it's kind of boring. They've released these in bronze. I mean, the 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 splash, the the excitement of it is the pointer date functionality. That's how they bring flavor to what yeah. is all otherwise a very gorgeous but very basic three hander. Yeah, I I don't think these watches are basic at all. But I but I hear what you're saying. But bronze, and so <laughs> they released these in bronze. Um, I'm fine with it. I have feelings about it. Tell me. <clears throat> And it's it's more like metallurgy feelings. Bronze is a to me a strange material to make a a tool out of because of the way bronze ages. And I know this is treated, and I know it's that that this isn't like the bronze that you see of statues from a hundred years ago that are now just like green. But it is a weird material. I like the color. I, I I see it. I just don't know if bronze is for me. Right. <laughs> uh, Although the bronze with that brown dial, it just it looks like you're wearing a caramel on your wrist, and I would I I'm down with that. 
I just am, I hold probably baseless reservations about bronze as a material. No, I, I don't, I don't know that they're baseless. I mean, bronze is problematic, right? Mm-hmm. Bronze, like sort of, you, you, you transfer your own patina to bronze and vice versa. I mean, bronze is problematic. I, I understand that there are different types of bronze and that they can control for some of that. Like you said, they cope, but yeah, no, that's a problem. That's a problem. And the idea of, of wearing patina watches is in and of itself, maybe not problematic. That's not the right word, but it's, there's some niche, uh, uh, aesthetics there, right? Your watch is going to patina on its own. This is, this is kind of, kind of like fotinaing your loom. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> Although it's not fotina. It's actual just patina that happens yeah. really fucking fast. Super fast. You know, you could, you could just you know, polish it weekly with like some kind of acid to clean it up. It is lemon, lemon juice or whatever. Yeah. But come on. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think it's a, it's a niche and I think that's maybe the right choice. This is like a safe baby. Put it on occasionally. Get itchy. Maybe an allergic reaction. I will say the colors they've offered this in. I don't know if the dial colors are any different than the standard big big crown pointer date uh, colors. But the colors that Aura sort of rolls with, I think, are are hospitable to to a bronze type of case, right? They've got these really sort of saturated but also subdued jewel tone dials. Mm-hmm. And I think that it'll it will look good. If you want a bronze watch, I think this is a good place to start, perhaps. But you've got to answer you've got to answer that question before before these become interesting. Do I want a bronze watch? Yeah. There's a, there's some soul searching to go on there. I think for like twenty five hundred bucks you can get a solid bronze case and bracelet which is interesting that is in and of itself interesting i wonder what the the lifespan of that bracelet is yeah i don't know because bronzes had got a different vicar scale mm-hmm. rating than certainly than steel but other materials as well so you, you know it may be softer um and obviously we don't know what the bracelet construction on this did they have like steel tubes or something to prevent stretch i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know what i don't know yeah that'd be interesting the the, um the pins they i feel like they'd have to be bronze because if they're using steel that would put at risk to the bracelet breaking not the pin (laughs) i don't know man i don't know what i don't know it's a good looking watch i think these are cool i think that it was the hype watch of the week because people were getting a free veil ski trip and they were like this is what they showed us. Here's pictures of it. Which I mean, there's the, nothing wrong with that. Again. Their whole lineup is great. That that uh, the Oris rectangle. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh god, I forgot about you. I could do that one. <laughs> so we've got one more watch that we're going to talk about today, Andrew. Mm, no, oh, but 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 <laughs> wait, wait. It's it's actually wait. two watches. I think. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Can we first talk about a bracelet? Oh, we should. We don't talk about bracelet releases very often on this show. Because one, there's very rarely interesting bracelet releases, things that release that I find interesting. Maybe some people are like bracelet nerds. 
There's not many people releasing them very often. Uncle Seiko releases what, like one a year and a couple of years. Yeah. Like, and that's really all I can think of. It's not Ollie that's dropping bracelets with regularity. Right. <laughs> uh, but Forstner, Forstner has made a comeback in the last few years. Everybody knows Forstner. Mm-hmm. Forstner makes some weird bracelets. I don't know if it's okay to call them weird. People like Forstner. I feel like we're we're gonna like. I don't think I think they make unique bracelets. They they make bracelets that you're not gonna be able to find either OEM or new old stock. They're making retro. Is that the right word? I think vintage bracelets. I think is the appropriate one. And they're doing stuff. You you know, by and large, they're taking these old designs. They're making really minor modern tweaks to them and kind of re-releasing them in their classic iterations right Mm -hmm. so they made a few years ago maybe last year they made a omega speedmaster flat link they did and it was popular people liked it because it's forstner forstner's got this long history you can read about forstner somewhere else maybe sometimes we'll talk about forstner on the show that's not today um but it's it was this very vintage inspired vintage looking and probably having never held one vintage feeling watch bracelet and people were buying them for primarily modern watches mm-hmm. and there's a bit of a mismatch there um the clasp was tinny and thin and stamped like it was originally the links were thin like they were originally it's just, this was a reissue, pretty much, of their original flat link bracelet for the Omega Speedmasters. They have just, in the last week or so, announced that they are going to start selling, or perhaps have started selling, a totally modern flat link bracelet specifically for the full-size Omega Speedmaster. And I think it looks killer. They're available now. I think it looks killer. It looks great. And I think they they were victims of their own success. They they had this great design. They produced what they knew they could produce. And people were like, no, no, no. I don't want a vintage bracelet. I want a real bracelet that looks vintage and fix it. <laughs> can, can you fix this? And they've done it. Yeah. It looks great. So they've gone from two and a half millimeters to three millimeters on the link which is a which is a big change if you've never looked at link sizing if you've never like measured the thickness of your links um, you're really missing out on some excitement (laughs) you'll realize that that's a huge jump right so like for instance i think the sarb bracelet is like three and change most modern bracelets come in at three to Mm 3.4 millimeters. Um, So two and a half is very thin. Three is not overly thick, but but more in the modern range. They've taken this thing and they've basically improved it in every way. The clasp is a full machined clasp that aesthetically looks identical yep fully milled to the old one but yeah fully milled machine the inside is got some character but it's also very simple um 
this is just like they've taken something that was cool and retro and made it really good and retro. And I'm here for it. I it when you sent me this, I I had recalled seeing some recent photos of of the new the new bracelet and it got me back on their website and I was like, "Oh yeah. All these bracelets look awesome. I want them." I really I think I'm going to get the uh the clip. For what are you going to get it for? I don't know. I think it'll go well on nothing, but I want it. So one thing I wanted to talk about. So this is 190 bucks, I think, for this new bracelet, which mm-hmm. is that's not a ton of money. That's not a ton of money. Not it's, when you're putting it on your Speedmaster. That's right. That, that's right. And, and it's got a it's got that rightness to it that I think will attract some people. Right. Mm-hmm. Forstner is this historical brand, historical relationships with Omega, or at least maybe not a relationship, but at least there's that historical significance there that makes it feel like not like not third party necessarily, but like second part. I don't know what is in between custom parts. Like <laughs> yeah. the question is, would would your Speedmaster clasp fit on this bracelet? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that because um, I think I'd feel more comfortable with that. Yeah, the I, ability to put my branded clasp on my third-party bracelet. It, it's something that that is worth looking into. I did want to say one other thing about mm-hmm. this though, because at 190 bucks, so I think their old flat link was a little bit less than that, not a lot, maybe 130 ish. If I if I'm remembering, I don't right. This new this new one's more expensive than that. Um, there is also another option. Uh, Uncle Seiko makes flat links for both the Speedy Reduced and the full size Speedmaster. They are closer to the original flat links, which is to say stamped clasps. Um, I think more modern sizing in the links, mm-hmm. um, but. I think that's a $90, maybe even $85. So for a little... for the flat link. About half of the price. Do and you have one of these? You have an Uncle Seiko for your Speedmaster, don't you? I don't, no. Oh. What I have is... I have the um, uh, Mexico Holzer. The Mexico Holzer Uncle Seiko recreation, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, but so you have an Uncle Seiko. Y- yes. yes. Yeah, and and it's great. It's it's, a, it's really well done, but it is. I mean, the the manufacturing standards are. It, it's not does not feel like a modern premier high end bracelet. So, um, yeah, your mileage may vary. If you've got ninety bucks, look at Uncle Seiko. If you've got twice that much, consider looking at, at Forstner. Yeah, I have the uh, I have the Jubilee for the. The Sarb that fits the Alpinist and uh, the <clears throat> Uncle Seiko Jubilee, mm-hmm. and my—that's exactly my assessment—is the bracelet feels like a like a vintage bracelet. Doesn't feel cheap. It just feels like a a vintage bracelet. And even with a stamped clasp, it is better than the Sarb bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'd call it about even. I think it looks better. Uncle Seiko does a good job with pricing too. You can tell that 
the pricing that he employs is is rational, right? He's got some sort of markup and he uses that markup. So you're paying what he pays plus what Whatever. he should make on that. Yeah. So um yeah, that's that's all I have on that. We 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 now I've almost been avoiding it because I hate to talk about controversial things. Uh but we should talk about we, we, Mark II. We should. We should talk about Mark II. Um this week this week Mark II announced Bill Yao, the Bill Yao brand, Mark II MK2, announced a reissue of their very, I believe, their very first watch, the Stingray Carolman, I think, is how you pronounce that's, that. That's how I would try to say it. <laughs> uh, this is a beautiful watch. This is a beautiful watch. It is an iteration uh, or or uh, an homage to perhaps the classic Blancpain 50 Fathoms mm-hmm. dive watch, which many people will point out is the original dive watch, perhaps. Um, Subs, the original dive watch, bro. <laughs> uh, and this thing looks really, really good. Yeah. Absolutely not a complaint in the world about it. It's priced really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember exactly how much these are. But eight ninety five. Eight ninety five. Mm-hmm. Um, Comes with an Erica's original. It, it's basically available right now. I think if you order one now, you can get it in a few weeks. Uh, classic layout. Four thirty. Four thirty date window, which not everybody's going to love. Uh, 4.30 date window is my jam. Sort of a standard dot and baton marker set with a a bit of a stylized diamond, I think I'll call that, at 12 Mm -hmm. o'clock. Not crazy dial fonts, a great Mark II logo. Good-looking bezel, matte bezel. A blasted finish. This is a great watch, right? Mm -hmm. There's a fucking huge problem with it, though. Bill Yao, which is that Bill Yao just concluded pre-orders on the reissued Tornacravel TR660, which is, from what I can tell... It has a different dial. Exactly the same as this watch in almost every single way. Yeah. Except for the fake water intrusion meter on the Tornacravel. I don't get this. And I think there's a couple parts there, parts to it. Number one, why? 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 And and number two, why within weeks of each other? If if this had been released a year from now, there'd be a little grumbling, like, "Oh, this looks really familiar." These are two. These are these are watches that are going to be in. They were probably in production at the same time. Well, I don't think so. I think <clears throat> that the Tornick Ravels, the preview, just the pre bills, the pre orders just finished on those. So we're probably looking at a, a production that hasn't started. And, and I think they're expected in August, which means he's probably going to put that order in after Chinese New Year's, uh, Chinese New Year, and the factories reopen based on what I know about these processes. Um, these are available in three weeks, which means that they've been in production for 
three to five months. Um, so there, there may just be some like common sense business decisions happening here. And, and certainly that's what it is. It feels a little bit, um, it feels a little shitty to me. It's weird. It's a weird thing to do. Yeah. yeah maybe I'm not offended, but it does seem weird. I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll hold my offense. Cause I mean, honestly, who cares? But it seems weird to me. It's just, it's, it's weird for no reason. Why, why make the same watch twice? And I understand there's some nuanced differences and those differences are important. And maybe you don't like the Mark II and you want a water intrusion indicator and a different 12 o'clock marker. It, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by it. I don't think I can get on board with the, like the incensed Yeah, no, me either. Thing, because, but that's also like, it's watches, who cares? Right. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't get why people are actually angry about this or truly offended by it. It's just a weird thing. It's, it's weird. It, it, it's weird. I, I, I've said many times that you can only make a watch in so many ways. Calling every watch an homage to something else. Well, I can't get on board with. But I, this isn't an homage. This is just the same watch. It's del- well, it's it's deliberately an homage to the Blanc Pond Fifty yeah. Fathoms. The Tornick Rayville is obviously an homage to the Blanc Pond. Although there's some also there's also some dead brand zombie brand revival things going on there. I'm not critical of those things, and I think you're maybe a little bit more critical than I am. It's like whatever, that's all fine. I think the timing of this thing is particularly curious, uh, but. At the end of the day, I always say, I think, I always say more is more. So it's fine. The timing's weird. I don't quite understand it. Um, and maybe some people would prefer to have a Mark II. Maybe some people would prefer to have Torna Graville. So in that sense, it's good. It, it is, it's kind of like one of those Kickstarter orders where you can choose an automatic or uh, a quartz movement. I think if I had my druthers, I'd prefer a brand to say, we're releasing this both under Mark II mm-hmm. and under our revival brand, Tornick Rayville, and you get to choose. Yeah. It feels like a little bit of a bait and switch to right after closing pre-orders on the Tornick Rayville to offer a cheaper yes. Mark II. It just feels a little bit, and, and you know, honestly, end of day, who cares? And maybe he'll let people cancel one and get the other. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It it seems like with a pre-order situation, it'd be hard for him to do that. So I don't know. There there does feel like a little bit of a transparency problem here to me. Maybe that's the the issue. So uh, that's all I have to say about that. And that is all I have to say about watches, Andrew. Unless you've got an article I've got, I've got one, one about wrist sizes <clears throat> that you want to talk about. I've got one quick article, and, and I read this today and thought it was exactly the spirit of our podcast of 40 and 20 this is a 40 and 20 article of the watch clicker family so this is an article by fratello from lex stolk and it is called the watch slash wrist size dilemma is there such a thing as a watch that's too big or too small? And it's the a, answer is yes. It's it's a quick read article. Yes and yes. He took three people, four people, including himself, and had them try on the uh, which Panerai 
mega it doesn't matter it's a panerai any of them <laughs> um a seamaster a 36 explorer and a tank and took pictures of everyone wearing these four watches and had them rate them on the 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 three bears too big too small just right scale and took pictures of all of them <clears throat> And I got to say, I, I've, I'm rarely inclined to, like, a watch is too big for me because I don't like to wear a watch that big. It's not to say, if I did like to wear a watch that big, it would look bad. And I think people tend to shy away from sized watches, and we, in the watch world, make a big deal of over half millimeters, mm. points of millimeters, in the way sizing is important. And this was a this was a good just a quick read and look article at like no wear what you want and what you like because that's what actually matters because really the only person that looked weird in the Panerai was the woman who didn't size it properly so she looked like an eighties banker. There's no Panerai in this review. That's a Panerai. There's a Plofroth. There's a Seamaster. There's oh, it's the Plo. Uh, yeah. Blech. That's what That's I meant. Oh, plow prof. Yeah. He said Panerai early, and then I got stuck on it. He said a 47 millimeter Panerai <laughs> looks, looks chunky on my wrist. I was like, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, the plow. The, uh, but yeah, that's the only person who looks weird. The plow prof with yeah. an unsized bracelet. Because I've tried one of these on. And, and it legit looks weird on her because <clears throat> she's got a tiny wrist. But I think it's also because it's not sized. Because I tried one of these on, and I would have thought it would have been entirely too big. But with a properly sized bracelet, I was like, ah. I could see it. I wouldn't yeah. wear it because I don't need to get just strong in my right arm, but <laughs> it's just bigger than I want to wear, but I can see it. When it's the type of watch too, there's uh, a YouTuber, uh, Random Rob's, I can't remember her name, Random Rob's partner, uh, wears a, she's got a tiny wrist and she wears one of these and it looks great. It's like, yeah, that looks sick. So it's the kind of watch that it's already a GFY watch. So might as well put it on a tiny wrist and be really like two middle fingers. Exactly. Yeah. I thought it was a fun, uh, just a fun quick read. Yeah. A good reminder that watch choices are intensely personal and you should not let us influence your decision. Yeah. And, and, and really way more, way more sizes will work for you than you probably think. If you get, if you can just wrap your head around what you're doing with that watch. That's it. Andrew, other things. What do you got at 59 minutes? Oh, we are getting in there. So I, my other thing is an Instagram fella. And I've been following this guy for, I don't know, a short while. Can Instagram fellas be another thing? Yeah. And so it is. So his OnlyFans is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, so it's it's called Watches of Espionage. And Hodinkee just did a write-up on him. And this is a former CIA officer who also collects watches. And his Instagram is entirely like a watch picture and some espionage world story to go along with said watch. So recently... He, uh, his post from four days ago 
the Russian illegal spy, Anna Chapman, wearing a lady in red, Ulysses Nardine Diver. And he tells a little bit of story about her, a little bit of story about the watch and his post, and then we move on to the next story, picture. But it's fascinating, these like little intricate... Uh-oh. Whoa. That is not allowed. But it's fascinating, these little fun stories and anecdotes about watches and the the people who have worn them. I think one of my favorites was the uh, the arms dealer, Victor Bout, wearing his Brightly, Breitling B1. And he tells quite a bit of stories about Breitlings, which are apparently favorites of uh, arms dealers. <laughs> a lot of Breitling <laughs> references. Not surprising, uh, perhaps. And, and every time I see these Breitlings, I'm like, man, I want a Breitling. <laughs> Very few watches do that to me. We're like, man, I want one. I want one. But Breitlings have been calling to me as of late. This is cool. I've never seen this. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's different. It's still, you know, watch media and still watch stuff, but so not technically other things, but you know, we'll get it's you another a pass. thing. Hey no, we'll we'll get it's you an a pass. other thing. <laughs> uh and I haven't read the Hodinkee article uh that just came out on him, but they did a I don't know if it was an interview or just a like an interview and a write up, but but yeah. Cool. That's my other thing. Uh, Watches of espionage. Clicking follow right now. And done. Hey, I've got another thing. Do me. Andrew, when was the last time you thoughtfully bought a mouse, a computer mouse? I don't know. Maybe never. I don't think I ever have either. I have used a magic mouse with my Mac since probably about whenever the magic mouse came out. I think I got one. I just bought it almost an impulse buy. If there was, it was an expensive impulse buy, but I was like, oh, there's a, a Mac specific mouse. I'll just buy that Mac specific mouse and use that. And um, that's more or less served me well. There's some things about the Magic Mouse that are interesting. It's got sort of onboard gestures. It's like all, like partially trackpad. Anyway. Is that I've, the one you can't charge while also using? Yes. Yes. So there are some problems with the Magic Mouse, which... Um, have never been too much for me to handle, but you can't like the most recent version. You can't charge it. You, you the the, ch- <laughs> the charging ports on the bottom of the mouse, and so if you are out of battery, you cannot use your mouse. You know what that is? That's them teaching you a lesson for not planning ahead, right? <laughs> <laughs> or it's them favoring form over function. Thank you, Apple. Uh, that's fine. Moving on. Um, My Magic Mouse broke about two weeks ago. I don't know if it's broken or... Have you charged it? (laughs) Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? In any event, it stopped working the way I needed it to be working in order to just do things on my computer. And so I um, started to buy a new Magic Mouse and I was like, do I really want a Magic Mouse? Is this good enough to spend another still kind of a lot of money Mm -hmm. on... And I ultimately decided no was the answer. And so I did what any uh, watch-seeking, considerate consumer would do when I Googled best mouse. Uh, He now has parts. 
coming from Ollie 2022 to build his own. Yeah, exactly. I ordered parts to build my own mouse. You didn't? No, of course I didn't. Oh. Uh, I I found that there are probably like ten sort of electron. There's Toms and there's um uh like Toms hardware and then uh wire cutter and all these websites digital review or i don't know whatever just you, you know you go to these websites and top 10 mouses for 2022 all of them recommended the same mouse 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 the same mouse all of them <clears throat> recommended the logitech mx master mouse part do and i also found that they offer this in a mac specific version ooh which is essentially the same exact thing but with some sort of max specific functionality, whatever. So, hundred bucks. I took a flyer. I ordered it. It came about a week ago today, and it is fantastic. It's like the tactile feedback, the texture on it. I mean, what are we working with here? All of the above. It is. Uh, it's a digital. It's a digital mouse, which. Uh, the, the way it tracks is either it's not optical, mm -hmm. which I understand to mean it would not be ideal for gaming. I assume there's some sort of timing and thing. probably precision and, but I'm not yeah. gaming, right? Yeah. And maybe yeah. precision as well. I'm not gaming. What I need is something that can do all the basic things I need um, but I've, what I've also found is that it comes pre-programmed for certain websites and apps with like special functionality. So it's got a thumb wheel. It's got a couple buttons that are strategically located, like one under where your finger sits on the scroll wheel, one where your thumb naturally hits. To close and all tabs. It does things. <laughs> it, it does things. No, it doesn't close all tabs. Uh, but it it is just first i will say i did not expect the extra stuff to be intuitive which meant i was probably not going to play with the extra stuff i was like it's a hundred dollar mouse i'll be able to do whatever i want and nothing more and i'll probably just do basic mouse stuff all of the things it does are so intuitive that five days of using this thing later i'm doing many of the things it does without thinking about it I'm just doing the things. It, it, it's like, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm gushing a little bit, probably even a little bit excessively because it's just still just a fucking mouse. But everything you do feels good. The scroll wheel feels great. How can a scroll wheel feel great? Is it clicky or rolly? Either. You can switch. Okay. You can switch. Also, if you have it in clicky mode, um, it's got a break point, so where, where if you like go faster, oh, it will automatically switch into rolly mode. So you can so so you can have it just free rolly all the time. You can put it into indexing or clicky mode, and then if you really goose it when you're indexing, it will like just set itself into a roll for that roll. I mean, it's like it, it's just it, it's a really good piece of hardware, and I've been 
really excited about it. Every like I brought it home the other night. I knew I needed to work at home and I don't normally bring my mouse home. I just bring my laptop and use use it like a laptop. And I was like, I'm going to bring the mouse. I need, I'm not going to be able to work. If I, I'm not going to be able to work if I don't have my mouse. So MX Master Mouse 2, 3, whatever the new one is. Part D. I think it's part D. Uh, it's it's fantastic. If you're looking for a mouse, mouse. Man. I know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I feel a little hyper tonight. You're you are a little jacked it's, up. I like it, it. It's in between. It's it's the yeah. whole. Anyway, I recommend it. It's a hundred bucks. The Logitech also makes other really highly recommended products for a lot less. Some people don't want to spend a hundred bucks on a mouse. That's a lot of money. I did, I was kind of like, eh, can I just get the forty dollar one? And I was feeling, I was just in one of those moods, and I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna get business right off. Well, that is <laughs> that is very very accurate. Uh, but I'm so glad I did. It's like super fun. Jackpot. I didn't expect it to be fun either. Because who would? It's a mouse. And I've got another other thing for next week that's related to this purchase. But I'm just going to... I'm just going to tease it right now. It's related to this purchase. I've been using them together. I'm going to tease it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. No, it's not a keyboard. That's all. All right. I'm out of things. I'm out of things. Andrew, are we uh, are we going to get any negative feedback from this week? Yeah, we get negative feedback every week. Usually it's just the sound of our voices. <laughs> hey, you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. We really appreciate you coming here. Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 at Watch Clicker. You can also go to our website and, and you should weekly articles and reviews as well as every episode of this podcast i want to thank notice for supporting this episode of 40 and 20 notice watches you can go to the notice website right now and buy a watch and if at checkout you type clicker into the little window you get a 10 percent discount any watch on the website thank you notice for supporting us if you want to support us you can do so at patreon.com 40 and 20 we really hope you do because that's how we get all the money to pay for hosting, hardware, software, etc. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.